So, Panaki, I, I've, just from afar, I, I admire the the culture and the intention with which uh, it, it definitely feels that local wisdom creates a great experience for your for your employees. How do you go about in this commitment to the experience that you create for your for your team? It's a wild question, one one that you know has um, taken me a, a long time to get to this place. And you are right; we do have. Uh, what I think is an amazing experience at Local Wisdom. Um, if you ask folks who work here, they will agree and they'll say it's one of the reasons why they work for us. It's one of the reasons why people who don't currently work for us want to work for us and uh, uh, for that reason, where we, we take care of each other and everything like that. It, it, you know, it's uh, the journey to get here was an interesting one um, because... I don't think we're taught initially to think about the employee experience, right? We're taught to think about things like operations and marketing and sales and revenue generation and service delivery and things like that. And all of these like constructs that, that build up a company way before we're like thinking about employee experience and what does that look like and what does it feel like, right? And so I, I, I became CEO of the company probably around... 2017 yeah 2017 and uh you know we ha we had a good company we had a good company culture uh but things weren't going super well and one uh you know there was multiple reasons for that you know like financially and, and things like that but when i came became the ceo i had to really reevaluate things and i think one of the things that really started me on this way was that I realized that everything that I could be doing um, just wasn't sticking. There was this kind of like fight back, this resistance that was happening. And then I realized that, you know what, no matter what we're trying to build, it has to be built on top of a relationship or a good relationship. And that comes with trust and credibility. Uh, people needed to believe that, you know, what we're doing is right. And people needed to trust that we have their best interests at heart. And that's what I focused on first. And then built everything on top of that. And thank you for sharing that because I think um, uh, there's lots of organizations that are very effective at creating great experiences for um, their employees. But the entire premise behind our conversations on this podcast has always been that too often it's not happening as effectively. And um, you know, for for us when we think about how much energy and how much investment goes towards um, the customer experience um, and th this idea that, uh, you know, the customer is first, the customer is always right. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not denying any of that. It's absolutely all true. But I think there needs to be a better balance now with employees. So, you know, let's get into it a little bit here, Panaki. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this episode is about why does it feel so wrong to treat and invest as much in our employees as we do in our customers? Um, so uh, this episode is, uh, you know, I'm Chris Lee from Gallagher Communication and uh, Panaki Kathiari here from, from Local Wisdom. Uh, we're both in the business of, of helping our clients uh, deliver great employee experiences um, and in each of our episodes, we're, we're always talking about things in the workplace that uh, generally kind of feel wrong, or at least they don't ring 
true. And oftentimes it's things that we've experienced firsthand. Uh, Pinocchio, you talked about the experience for the, that you're trying to create uh, at Local Wisdom uh, and things that we've seen when working with our clients or our colleagues or even read about in the media. Um, and because the world's so rapidly changing and it, it, sometimes it just feels like we're, we haven't been questioning enough some of the practices and techniques that uh, we've accustomed, been accustomed to thinking about over time um, uh, and haven't really found the impetus to change. And so uh, throughout these podcast episodes, and I, I really love these conversations, we're never really saying that we've got necessarily all the right answers, but for us, we always treat this as a safe, safe space and we, we always feel comfortable enough to uh, at least ask the tough questions and help provoke the right types of thinking so that uh, at least we're starting to orient ourselves into getting into a better place. So, um, yeah, please join us in our, our journey for the next half hour or so. We're going to challenge some of these uh, these best practices, what it looks like, um, and you hopefully help us all steer towards uh, an improved workplace. Because um, at the end of the day, we talk about this a lot. It, I, I don't think the workplace should be so easy to parody on TV shows and in media and in comics. Um, it should be something that we look forward to because it is a fulfilling experience and because our employers um, treat us in amazing ways, similar to how uh, many consumer-facing brands uh, invest so heavily in, in, in tr- uh, treating their customers. We bend over backwards for uh, our customers and customer service, and we have you know, customer service um, or customer success managers that make sure they service our customers. But then what does it look like if we flip that around and talk about our employees? Is there an employee success manager, you know, in the mix and things like that, right? Uh, and we, we just, we don't, we rarely think about that because of the way our organizations and structures and how we've been taught best practices to go, right? To go back to that story of uh, <clears throat> when the company wasn't doing all that well and I had to address it as a CEO, I remember someone in finance told me that, you know, so, you know, knee-jerk reaction immediately. You know what we have to do? We have to increase sales. You know, if we, we can't have any good employee experience or whatnot without the money. And I remember, I remember I'll never forget that story or I'll never forget that conversation because that story is most logical. It makes sense. I think it's what we're taught to do, right? And when creating businesses, we're creating all of these other functions first, right? We're thinking about sales and marketing and operations and things like that, but we're not we're not taught to build up that internal culture from the from the get-go. I think it's changing now. But, you know, so most companies, right, like if things aren't going well, all right, let's just put put pressure on everyone to increase sales. And I think there's a truth to it, yes, right? Because without income we can't, you know, run the business, pay people, and that's bad, yes. But I think there is a falsehood in that way of thinking where a good employee experience doesn't have to be super expensive or cost a lot, right? And I think if you do some of the math as far as like how much we spend on marketing and sales versus internal comms and employee experience, there's a big disparity. And that's what we want to change. And it really talks about how we we treat people. So beyond just spending money on big things, we start with how we treat people around us. And especially... How do we treat people around us when things aren't going really well? Since then, we're we're in a much better place, but I've really formed this hypothesis. I believe if we put employees first, it will affect the bottom line in a really positive way. And I've seen it 
within my organization. I've seen our clients put it into effect and they've seen it. Um, and I've, I'm speaking to other leaders who feel the same, but I think we've just been taught differently or at least conditioned differently over our lives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the other day I was looking at my bookcase in my little office at home and um, I, I, I saw something that just caught my eye, which is I had a number of boxes uh, that contained my iPad packaging, my iPhone packaging. Um, and I realized like, I, I don't have too many products at home where I don't throw away the packaging. And when you look at an organization like Apple, which I don't think anyone questions how strong the brand is, they really sweat the details. They want to create a magical experience, not just on the product itself and the great UX that they, they build into it, but more in the entire experience, which they recognize starts even when someone goes into a store or they see the product for the first time. And the packaging, uh, when Apple first introduced the iPod so many years ago, was revolutionary um, at a time when most electronics companies were still offering their products in that. You remember that plastic clamshell packaging that you're risking life and limb when you try to cut it open? And I remember when I bought my first uh, Apple product, it was such a memorable, I still remember it. It's such a great, satisfying experience. So much so that when you open it, uh, the, the product almost feels delicious. You almost want to lick the screen. It's just such a great, satisfying experience. And it's also, you know, they're so intentional about these details around it already comes fully charged. Like you just turn it on, it starts working. Whereas some of the other products I used to have, you, you, you had to charge it for 24 hours or something like that before you waited. And I just remember that experience as this is a, a moment that matters. And then when I think about some past organizations that I've worked for um, or some clients in terms of the onboarding experience that, you know, we're, sometimes we're called in to help improve. Uh, the That first impression that employers make with new employees, sometimes it gets overlooked as a potential area of investment or an opportunity to great, create some an experience that is Instagram worthy right? Where it is that same magical feeling. And too often it's not. You, you might get an employee handbook. People will tell you where your cubicle is. And it's it's not nearly as, as satisfying. And so, you know, when you think about the moments that matter in an employee's journey uh, at an organization, what's, what is one of those key moments that matters? What, you know, there's not that many moments that matter as much as your first day. It's like your first day of school and you spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to wear. Uh, and I think it's a big opportunity for employers to uh, rethink some of these moments and be so much more intentional and start dedicating a little bit more resourcing to make it a truly memorable experience. As always, Chris, uh, you touch on so many like interesting points that I want to like vibe off of there that uh, so it's so so awesome um first you you know you talked about um apple products their branding and that customer experience so i think the one interesting parallel that i've i think seen so this is anecdotal in a way but i think um employee experience um really came a top priority around the 2000s and the 2010s, right? I think, I think this is where we saw a huge tech boom, right? There were, and and these technologies, right? Some of these, like you know, like 
the Facebooks, the Googles, right? Um, they they were they were created by this like new generation of of business and tech folks, right? They um, they had heavy competition, so recruiting the highest talent was really recruiting the highest talent was difficult through this heavy competition. And they were like digital SaaS companies, so like they had funding and there are SaaS products with compensation and benefits. They they were already top notch, so they became this real like competitive way to like, how do we get the top talent? So that's where employee experience came into the mix. And that's where I think we've seen a lot of like, you know, things like uh, slides in the office, literally slides in the office and sleeping pods and ping pong tables and right and hidden speakeasies that show up in the workplace. And it's really to make those touch points at the workplace almost not feel like work, but it's still work. Anyhow, I think they like, up the ante there and then made others up the ante as well throughout that experience. So that, that touch point conversation that, that you went on too is also really fascinating uh, because I think a lot of, you know, people think like that employee experience, you know, starts on that like first day and then it, you know, when they leave that it ends. I think that the touch points need to go beyond that because I think your employee life cycle starts before their first day, right? Like, how are they, you know, how are your job descriptions? What was that interview like, you know? How was it easy to like to sign up and sign on to all the all the stuff, right? And I think it extends even past their employment. Uh, like, yeah, what are they seeing from you after they, they employ? How do you care about them after? Because a, a former employee could be a new employee again, right? It could happen, it has happened and everything like that. So. Uh, so I think that's a good thing to think about, right? Let, let's, you know, we've all done that exercise of mapping out that customer journey and what we're going to make, what we're going to do to make that customer journey amazing. Now I think it's time to map out that employee journey and what are we going to do to make all of these aspects of the employee journey amazing? I always love that quote uh, that's attributed to um, uh, Maya Angelou. Um, you know, I, I might not remember what you said. I might not remember what you did, but I'll, I'll always remember how you made me feel. And it goes a long way. I think it is, um, you know, when you really uh, think about how can I uh, have people that come in, how do I get the best versions of them in the office? And how do I create experiences that do make them feel great? Because at the end of the day, it's a symbiotic relationship between the employer and the employee. You really want people to be excited to do great work for your organization and feel good about themselves and f get that satisfying, you know, that uh, right at the top of that uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You want people to truly feel self-actualized. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the more you can give them a sense that they're doing meaningful work, uh, the better. The other thing is something I think about too is in the workplace, we're so caught up in our individual KPIs um, and, you know, I, I always think about the term human resources as really a dichotomy, right? Because when you think about the people that you fill up your organization with, a lot of times we think about filling up our organization literally with resources, people who have KPIs and, you know, they're, they're, we need them to, to be successful as an organization. Um, but we're also at the end of it all, we're also humans, right? And we have feelings and we have pride and envy. And sometimes I'll catch ourselves because we'll, we'll say things that just feel like, you know, it's the right thing to say because it's, it's just as an organization. You know, Pinocchio, you and I have talked about 
corporate jargon and things like that. And we don't always even think about it. One thing, actually, just as a fun exercise, I encourage everybody that's listening in right now to just Google the term compensation. Because we always talk about how we compensate our employees. And I'm, I'm going to do it right now. I'm just going to Google compensation. Noun, something, typically money, awarded to someone as a recompense for loss, injury, or suffering. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so that's the definition, right? I know. <laughs> but, but, but the point being is like, we don't even think about the word. We just think about this logically as this is something we do in HR is we need to give Panaki competitive compensation for the work that he's doing. But we don't even think about it. Like really what you expect to get compensation if you're the victim of a scam or you were injured in a in a in an accident i want to i expect to get compensation but you don't we, we don't even stop to think about the language that we use and when we think about how we treat our employees it's like nope you're a resource you have kpis similar to back in the old days when we had machines i need you to do this thing and in the case of this resource we have to give you proper compensation. We need to compensate you for what we're about to do to you for 40 hours a week for the next, you know, however long you're going to be here. And I, I think part of it is really just reminding ourselves of positioning. And another example I was thinking about was, you know, often we work with clients to help them do a better job of communicating their um, uh, employee benefits. And uh, I was recently at a, a conference in New Orleans and I was, uh, talking about um, how people talk about group benefits, which is a great thing. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's a it's a big investment that organizations make in our health. They really want us to be healthy. They want our loved ones to be healthy. And um, I looked at a number of different uh, career pages on different employers, and the same language kept on coming up. Pinaki was uh, we offer a competitive benefits plan. And I remember at the conference, I asked people just as an open-ended question, I said, just shout it out. What do you think of, when you say the word competitive, what does that actually mean? And it dawned on everybody that it doesn't really mean anything at all. Being competitive just simply means you're in the game, that you're you're not saying you have a great benefits plan. You are saying you have a benefits plan. And it's almost a way of just saying, we literally just have a health benefits plan because everybody else has one. So we're just kind of, we have one, it's kind of similar and I know that HR teams benchmark their benefit plans, uh, and that's how they come up with it. So literally, they are trying to create something that's competitive. But don't you find it's a missed opportunity with employees to really showcase an investment and a commitment to well-being? I, I think that's really where you were kind of hit up on this, is like the modes of thinking about employee experience just didn't come from like the right places and you know right they were built up from the different needs of a business as opposed to the needs of an employee and i think like one of the first um studies around employee i guess experience uh, or comes from like actual productivity studies back in 1924 uh, australian social science uh, sociologist george uh, elton mayo <clears throat> they started running a series of uh, uh experiments at uh, a large factory um, in the suburbs of Chicago. And basically they set out to see if the brightness of the lights at the factory would affect workers' productivity. 
right? This was one of the things that I guess like leadership wanted to do to increase productivity. Can we, you know, up the brightness, and, you know, et cetera, to do that. But what they found was that no matter uh, whether the lights got dimmer or brighter, the workers did a better job. And they were like, why is that? Like it doesn't, so, so it doesn't, whatever, whatever happened, they just did better than they did before the experiment started. And so that the researchers concluded that it wasn't the physical environment that made them better in this scenario. It was that the people actually just thought for a moment that their bosses were paying attention to them just by simply conducting this exercise. So his team like changed the focus of their research. So instead of thinking about workers as cogs in like this machine, as instead of thinking of them as like resources and just bodies, they began thinking of them as like living organisms, right? Like they're in a large complex system, like who'd have thought it? The, this research itself was you know, highly criticized, but what it did do was it created a shift in how researchers thought about workers. And that's really what began a lot of like the, this research. And even today, right, like uh, uh, Rakesh uh, Gurana, now uh, dean at uh, Harvard Business School, um, he taught sociology and leadership development before becoming the dean. But he said it's really about the notion that managers don't understand the psychology of workers. So by treating them as machines, they not only deny them their humanity, but it actually results in ineffective management. It creates social disorganization, lack of cooperation, and more tension between the worker and the manager, right? So there's definitely drawbacks in not thinking about the employee experience, not thinking about your workers. And so we wanna start uh, positioning you all to think more about that experience and what that does for you. I, I love that, Panaki. I, I think, you know, I remember that uh, um, MIT Sloan talking about the emerging style of leader and, um, you know, it's a, it, there's definitely a shift away from leaders who are, you know, top-down, command and control, permission-based, and a more evolved and emerging style of leadership, which is a much more emotionally intelligent, empathetic, purpose-driven um, leader. And, and that's really the new paradigm. But, but I think a lot of that paradigm is in recognizing that... Um, I mean, every organization is trying to create, you know, value and great experiences for their customers. I get that. But also, I think the, the, the paradigm shift now is instead of looking at the customers as the first priority in terms of key stakeholders that we need to take care of, there's a growing recognition of we need to take care of employees first as our, our first key stakeholder. Because um, I think it was Simon Sinek that said, um, your customers won't love your brand until your employees love your brand. And I think there's, there's some power in um, creating great memorable experiences that lead to, um, you know, uh, uh, a more desirable environment for employees. So it's everything from leadership, which I think is probably the most important, to the environment they're in for showing up big and the moments that matter. And um, one of the things that I think is always instructive for anybody that's an HR leader or a communications leader or anyone that's in these professions 
is to spend a little bit of time with uh, our colleagues in the marketing department because, um, you know, obviously they spend a lot of time um, and a lot of resources gathering uh, customer insights. Uh, and then they have uh, usually a pretty healthy budget to try to capitalize on those budgets and create really effective experiences that either make their customer base think differently about their brand or about their product or you know, ultimately um, get them so that they feel more open about trusting the purchase um, of one of their products or their services. What a fascinating and awesome idea to turn like your marketing uh, colleagues and like almost helping to turn that into a shared service that goes in multiple directions in a way. Not necessarily maybe marketing, but it could be comms or whatnot. But let's look at those folks in our organizations that have that experience in mapping out customer journeys and creating the customer experience. And let's turn that inside. I think that's I think that's what all of like the progressive uh, modern companies are doing, right? Because I think if you don't have happy employees, your clients will eventually see it. Your public will eventually see it. So we definitely need to turn that around. And it doesn't just happen. Like, you know, at, at Local Wisdom, it doesn't just happen. It didn't just happen. We had to work at it. We had to do something about it. We had to address issues that are in the room. We had to address the things to really clear up airs. It's a lot of like organizational psychology that goes behind it. But it won't just happen, I think is important. Exactly to your point. It won't just happen. And I think um, today in 2023, I'm just so grateful for how far technology has gone and how easy so many things are. You know, when I think about how easy it is now to hail a ride on my Uber app or to to buy something on Amazon and literally get it um, within a day. Um, or, you know, ordering something um, or, you know, listening to music on Spotify and, and things like that. And the experiences are always fantastic. Um, but then, you know, I just think about often it feels like the employees at organizations often are the poor cousin. Despite our best efforts, um, you know, most HR teams want to create much better experiences, user experiences. and But it's still, you know, for, for those of you that are in larger organizations – uh, I'm sure it's really difficult still to find things that are on shared shared folders on your on your local server, or you know, to do basic things sometimes like to uh, schedule a PTO on on your HR tools and things like that. And you know, it's it's uh, I think it's an opportunity for organizations to really hone in on how do we create not only a simplified but a more effective and a more enjoyable. Um, experience for employees so that things are easier. And, you know, sometimes it is, you know, uh, just as easy as uh, looking at what are our people in marketing looking at and what lessons can we learn? I always think about some of the best brands. I mean, we talked about Apple, but um, some of my favorite stories come from uh, uh, Walt Disney and his experience. And his experience, I mean, the, the legend goes that he took his daughter's to an amusement park in um, in Griffith Park, and in Griffith Park he was just uh, standing there while his 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 two girls were going on the different rides and and things like that, and um, you know like like most you you might see in a lot of these kind of setups, he just felt like a paying customer. It wasn't there wasn't anything really 
super interesting about his experience, but his daughters were having a great time. They were riding on the rides. And that's when he started to really formulate a very different vision for uh, what this experience could be like. And he started envision envision stories uh, around the rides and characters and also treating the parents not like customers, but literally, you know, uh, he wanted to call them guests. You're an honored guest in in our magic kingdom. Um, And he started to get really quite fanatical about how to create amazing experiences right down to, um, I I remember I I was at a... uh, a course where they talked about what Disney did to create these experiences. And it was a, an image of uh, one of their buildings. So obviously the Magic Kingdom has been around for a long time now. And the buildings uh, once in a while are, are in need of repair, right? And so what they do is um, instead of while they're repairing these buildings, you still have guests that are coming into the park and still going on rides. But you don't want them to see the machinery and the heavy scaffolding around around the buildings because they know that this is for a lot of people a once in a lifetime opportunity to go to the magic kingdom so what they do is they take huge pictures of the buildings and they print massive fabric scrims that envelop the scaffolding so on the surface it still looks like the building you mm. can still have it's like a movie set yeah it's like a movie set and you just don't want to interrupt yeah. the continuity in the story for people yeah. that are looking for uh photo opportunities uh, and I'll also never forget that they talked about how um, they wanted it to be clean as well. So you'll never be able to buy gum, for example, anywhere in, in the Magic Kingdoms. Uh, but he also spent money to research how far do people go, how many steps do they take before they toss out their trash. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember what the exact number was. It's like 76 steps or something like that. And what he did based on that research was he would put – garbage cans at exactly that distance to make sure there was enough garbage cans everywhere you went so that no matter how far you were walking, you always knew that there was going to be a a spot for you to toss your trash. And he even revolutionized the garbage can itself. Instead of having a big open mouth trash can where you can see all the garbage and it's kind of unsightly, he invented the swivel on top so that when you toss it, it still covers the, the trash can. And just things like that where you think about how Apple thinks about things like the package or Disney thinks about things like garbage. And it's not just about the rides. It's not just about the technology. And I think it's the same thing with us in, um, you know, in our own organizations and our, as employers, it's not just about the money or the quote unquote compensation. I think people should genuinely feel like they're being rewarded for their efforts in helping your, your organization. And we should be thinking as thoughtfully about, you know, what are the areas that we can really pay attention to and create a good experience for employees so much that we're, spe- we're spending as much time thinking about it as Disney thinks about garbage. Absolutely. So many great points you put in there. Uh, I think the one thing you talked about was the little things, right? I think when you think about like the employee experience, sometimes, you know, it's easy for us to think, oh, I, I need to go a big party or I need to do something big, but it, it really does come down to some of these like little things. Some of the examples that you brought up are like, how do I take PTO? How do I, uh, you know, get a new laptop or, or whatnot? It's just these little things that help them do their jobs is part of that experience. Uh, another part of that experience is also like 
alignment and just showing you you care about people, right? So, hey, I want to help, right? Um, you know, like I, I know we had like a, a, one one of our former employees. He was telling me in his new job at a really big reputable company how in order to take PTO they had to like do it on like paper with like multiple like uh, scantron so it gets filed and things like that. And it was just like wow, well, it's so difficult to like request a PTO and get like multiple approvals and things like that. I also think about it. I remember when I was uh, uh, at a large company, what it felt like to um, submit my expenses and stuff like that. It was just like these little like parts of the day where how can we just make it a little bit better? How could we do that stuff that this makes it easy to, you know, take our trash to the garbage, just that attention to detail that Disney has has shown is is, is super important. Right. I, I, um, I recently uh, met uh, Carolyn uh, Holbrook, uh, who is a uh, you know, change leader at, at Disney. And she also talks about all of like the little things, right? Just basically being able to just show up for your team members, peers and friends. Right. Even even if you don't know what to say right now, just be thoughtful and meaningful about it, because that compassion and care will show and shine brighter than anything you could do. And if you do things without having that compassion and care, there, there, there will be a problem. I remember like way back when, um, back in the, in the days where the things weren't all that great at, at the organization, I remember we bought like an arcade machine and it was like fun because, you know, we could play video games here and everything like that. And that was great when times are good, but then when times are bad, so when people are playing video games, you're like, people are wondering like, oh, they're just playing games now. And like, and, and even from like a leadership perspective, and I had to say that, look, you know, this is part of the culture. When times are good or when times are bad, you can find us playing video games because that's how we decompress and that's how we get the creativity going. And sometimes we need a break, you know, so all of that kind of adds into the experience, not only having that arcade machine, but having that safety to be like, this is how we're able to take care of ourselves, right? So think about all of those like little, little touch points and how little by little we could like incrementally make them better. I think um, one of the one uh, something uh, I mean, I wish I could credit this to, to who said this to me, because I've talked to so many people in the last, uh, you know, few weeks that I just cannot remember who said this to me. But someone told me uh, very recently that if you want to learn or know about the employee experience of an organization, you should ask their spouse uh, of a worker, right? Because, you know, the spouse is the person who will hear about it, you know, at night. They're who it's coming back home to, right? When you when you leave your, your work and come back. So think about that. In, if you were to ask your worker's spouses about your employee experience, what would they say? Would they be upset? Would they not be upset? Would they... What would they say to you? Because they're going to be honest too, because, you know, can't fire them, you, you know, you can't, you know, so things like that. So think about that, you know, when, when we think about that experience, any, anything else you want to add to that or any other ways that you have seen a misaligned employee experience and, and what people could do to help? I mean, not really. I mean, I, I think it just the idea and the point is, uh, you know, is being made here is um, that, there, there is a gap between, um, you know, how most organizations, the intent and care they put into the customer experience 
versus the intent and care that they put into the employee experience. And, and again, there's lots of organizations like Local Wisdom that I think do really, really great jobs, but often it's it's not necessarily uh, the case. And you know, you you had touched earlier on uh, the role that people managers play in that. And so I think organizations that's a really good area for for people to start. And I I, I still remember a long time ago. My wife and I, this is before we, we had kids, we went uh, for a vacation down to South Beach in Miami. And I remember um, we took a break just to go stroll in a, uh, a shopping mall. It was a really posh shopping mall. We went to this store where <laughs> things were really like, just outrageously expensive. I remember there was a T-shirt there. Uh, that I was looking at, and it was it was like a two hundred and fifty dollar t shirt, and it, it still it kind of baffled me. It still does to this day. Uh, I'm used to spending you know twenty dollars on a t shirt at most, um, and I was looking in the shirt pocket. I was like, is there like a, a watch in there, or what else is what else do you get with this shirt? But why it stood out for me was I remember that the store manager was openly berating one of the sales. Uh, members for I don't even remember what it was about, but then without skipping a beat, the store manager then turned to us and became like this really syrupy, really sweet. Like, oh, is there anything that we can help you out with? Like, and it, I just find like, you know, it's just such a weird thing that there's like just openly and so overtly that there's such an incredibly different experience for that employee versus for me, the customer. Um, and I think. More and more, I think we need to get, uh, you know, more of that idea of the the evolved um, emerging leader, as MIT Sloan likes to call it, and think about how, as organizations, we can deliver not only a better, um, uh, you know, a, a higher acumen of people smart people managers, uh, but then also looking at things like, you know, we, we you and I had. Uh, talked about as a tip is maybe talking more with our colleagues in marketing to kind of understand how they approach things and get some of those learnings so we can start to bring that inside. And then I think the more and more we're able to do that, I think it's easier to socialize um, at leadership levels the importance of uh, creating great experiences for employees because in the end, everybody will win. The customers will win, stakeholders will win, shareholders will win. Yeah. And everybody is important to that, you know, organization, right? You know, the customers as well as like the employees and right. And man, what a, what, what a terrible story. Like, how could I help you? You could treat your employees better, right? Just like, just like what we said, you know, like one way or another, if you're not creating a good employee experience, it will show off. It will, it will color the way your brand is seen, right? So it's super important. If you're back to, you know, uh, your side of the fence, you know, Gallagher and your state of the sector report for 2023. Um, by the way, I love, I, that's the one download that happens every year consistently for me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, what, what they said in the 2023 report, which recently came out, the scope of internal communications continue to expand in all areas like well-being, culture, employee experience, um, really, uh, putting under resource teams, uh, in pressure. So we, we see even from like the report that there is um, a bigger scope for internal comms or a bigger scope for employee experience, but the teams that are ready to enact it are just under pressure and under resourced, don't have enough help. 
So that's one of the things that, that as leaders think about, like who's there uh, being shepherds of the experience and how can you support them? Because uh, in the report, uh, it's that 72% of respondents believe that a employee experience is on their leadership team's radar. Well, just, this is, it's on the radar, right? Uh, and that's only a small increase from last year, which was 68%. So that's only like a, what, 4% raise. And even still today, that means that 28% of companies have leaders who don't have employee experience on their radar. So we need to do something about that, not only for um, your bottom line, but at the end of the day, you know, the health and uh, um, availability of like the people you you hire, right? The the health of people becomes really important because if they leave your work happy, they go to home happy and they make the world a happier place. I just, I just shivered. That was, that felt so good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, that's, you got, you go, we go, we'll, that's, that's what it really turns into. I think we, we talk a lot about like vulnerability and I think we need to be vulnerable to even show that we have a ways to go to get our employee experience better. The truth is important to setting up a relationship. And you talked a lot about, that relational style of management, I think, is important. I'm going to close up. Anything else you would like to add before we do that? Nope. Uh, this episode is a lot of fun. My, my background's in marketing, and uh, I think part of the reason that you and I and you know our producer Brielle Saracini, we love what we do, is because we have a chance to really improve the experiences for the employees of our clients, and it, it's meaningful because I think uh, it's it's important for all of us to think about how can we improve their experiences, and I, I, I love the work. I Honestly, I really love this work. That's absolutely true. My background is in user experience design from a technology standpoint, so customer journeys and all that stuff come second nature to us, so that's why we see this void in the market for good, true employee experiences, and so we want to push you all to move in that direction. So that's it for this episode of Why Does It Feel So Wrong to Be Human at Work? Thank you, everybody, for listening in. We appreciate your ears. Um, this episode was super fun. I, I like getting into all the different aspects of experiences and the touch points and just just putting that hypothesis out there that, yes, it you can have a healthy, thriving business if you focus on your employee experience. I say more so than if you don't. So what does your organization feel like to work at? What is the employee experience there? So if you have one that's not as great, or if you have one that's really thriving and doing really good things, either way, we want to hear from you. Let us know. We're on TikTok. We're on LinkedIn. We're, you could email us on why does it feel so wrong at localwisdom.com. Shout out to Local Wisdom. Hey, if you need help taking a look at and evolving your employee experience at your organization, call us, localwisdom.com. Make sure you follow us. Uh, why does it feel so wrong? And thank you, everybody. 